Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Read with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. So, Steve Dawson, you've worked here in SPH for five years. Five and a half, I think it was. <laughs> Gosh, that was a transitional time. You talked about transitions you and You were in changes. tax before sports? Originally, but I wasn't very good, to be honest. It was the straight times that made me change my career. I was kind of a freelance journalist, and I was looking through pages of the Straits Times, looking for another tax job. And there was a half-page ad that said, change your career, become a journalist with the Straits Times. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do that. So oh, wow. <laughs> I got into that. And then, as you might remember, we had a, a television channel called Channel so I transitioned from print journalism to broadcast journalism, and that's how the television career took off. So. And now you are a business presentation coach. You run that business? Mm. I've been doing that for four years or so. Still broadcasting, still doing lots of other things, but that's a lot of fun, and uh, it's the future for me. So, yeah, I coach people how to present in their environment, I suppose. You know, here we are in a, in a radio studio, and television studios I'm very familiar with, but that's not everybody's environment. For no, most, it's usually the boardroom. Well, exactly. In front of a PowerPoint deck or, mm. or a ballroom in front of 200 people or social media these days. You know, we have to produce our own video content to tell the stories of our brands and our businesses. We're all so. selling something. We're selling ourselves all the time. All the time. Sounds awful, but yes, it's true, It's isn't a it? fact of life. <laughs> a book with a surprising title and topic, I must say, Locker Room Talk. Okay, and you think it's something to do with sports, but it isn't really. It's a guide to political correctness in the public domain. How does that link up with everything that you're doing? I was always interested in this, you know, the idea of people speaking without the appropriate filter and then dramatic things happen. You know, people lose their jobs, brands just go completely down the drain, stock prices fall, the threat of impeachment for presidents of the United States, this sort of thing. I was always very intrigued by the whole thing. And I wanted to write a book about this, but the fact of the matter is that unless you're writing Harry Potter stories, you don't make an awful lot of money out of books these days. So justifying the time was something I found difficult to do. But when I started coaching people to present in the business world, I realized that people did have this propensity to offend. And if you're wearing the brand of your organization on your shoulders, when you say things that are offensive, then everything else can fall down around you. I realized when I was talking to some of my clients and listening to them present that this was one of the challenges they faced and it was a substantial aspect of the whole thing. Well, let's hear your definition of political correctness. Everybody seems to be able to be offended by anything anyone else says out there and we all know that the first rule of broadcasting is try to please everybody and you end up pleasing nobody, right? <laughs> so what exactly is political correctness in your opinion? So this is something that I learnt. I mean, I thought I knew and but I thought about this an awful lot and there were some holes in it and I couldn't quite figure it out. An important aspect of the definition is that it's causing offence to people who have a history of being stereotyped, I suppose. In fact, if you open the book, the, the definition is there on the first few pages. There, there must be a history of people who've been marginalised. So, for example, you're a woman, I'm a man. Of the two genders, it's women who have been most marginalised over history. So there are certain stereotypes that I could say about women that would be seen as very offensive and it would be wrong to do that. But you as a woman, I mean, you're sitting opposite a white male. You could say just about anything, you know, in a playful way that was very stereotypical, that uh, generalised, but you wouldn't get in trouble for it. 
And that's because white males don't really have a history of being marginalized in this way. And that's an important aspect of definition. So you need to know your audience and you need to know which population it is you're referring to. That's a key thing. Yeah. And I wonder if being originally British, living here in Singapore has opened your eyes to how conversations around difference is tempered by the sense of sensitivity. Yeah, I've been here 25 years and I'm very happy to be here. I coach a lot of people who have done what I did 25 years ago, which is come from another part of the world and settle into Singapore. And we are, of course, a little bit ignorant about the sensitivities in this part of the world. And it's not just the things you say. It could be body language. Mm. I remember somebody telling me that they wanted me to coach someone because of the way he moved in a meeting. This was a British person. And he would lean back in his chair and put his hands behind his head, exposing his armpits. In the Western world, this might be seen as, oh, I'm very relaxed. I'm very at home here. My body language is that I'm comfortable. But if you're in a room in this part of the world, with people who are above you in the hierarchy. This might be seen as a little bit too much. Oh, I'm getting my feet under the table here. I might be, I'm going to try and subtly take control of this situation without due and proper deference to the people that you're working for. And these things were pointed out to me. And it was very obvious to me when I saw it and when I thought about it. But it's not obvious to everybody. Sometimes it takes a second pair of eyes to point these things out because some of the things we do that are offensive are the most natural things in the world. Absolutely. We're speaking with Steve Dorn. Dawson, author of Locker Room Talk in Read With Me, Michelle, 24 minutes past nine on the clock. What I like about this book is its starting point is the sense that if you're ignorant about the way that you can cause offense, it's okay. Most of us have these blind spots, but we can work on it. It's mm. a learnable skill, learning to speak with the correct filter at the right time given your context. And you say it starts with realizing that it's not just about you. It's not all about you. Mm. And that perspective is interesting. Mm. I think. When you say learning, it's a learnable skill. I mean, that is so pertinent because it's a dynamic situation here. Phrases that I used as a child, and I wanted to be politically correct. I didn't want to offend people. I wasn't that type of person. I like to think so anyway. So I wanted to use the right language. And I'm very aware that certain terms that I used in the 80s, let's say, when I was growing up, which I felt were the correct terms to use, are now no longer acceptable. Mm, mm. And I'm sure we can probably all think of examples of these terms, mm -hmm. but it's a dynamic, fluid situation. And the best advice that I think anybody can give in this realm is to try and stay aware, to try and stay current of what is and is not acceptable. And new things present themselves all the time. Fluidity in gender, for example, is something that we probably didn't think too carefully about in the 80s. And many other things. Mm -mm. Mental health is something that was a big learning experience for me when I wrote the book. We used to bandy about terms that would criticize people for being not normal mentally. And we should realize that this is a very prominent aspect of life today and that we must speak respectfully. We can't just bandy around phrases without the appropriate filter, without the appropriate care, sensitivity and attention. Yeah, this is a really valuable book. Share with us some examples perhaps that can be useful at the workplace. And really you bring us into ESPN and share some examples of a tweet gone wrong there. But what are some examples about what you say in this book that can be applied at the workplace? Can I give you an example that's not in the book? Sure. I was listening to an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee the other day. That's Jerry Seinfeld, and he was with a, a comedian from the States called Steve Harvey. 
And Steve Harvey was telling about how he was telling a joke in front of a live audience about drink driving, and everybody was uh, in fits of laughter. It went down very, very well. At the end of the show, somebody came up to him and said, look, I came here to have a good time, a little bit of escapism. You joke about drink driving. I lost my son to drink driving um, just three months ago. How could you be so insensitive? And the point he was making was, and it is a very valid point, one that I think you made just a few moments ago, that you can't please all of the people all of the time. Some people get offended by some things that other people don't get offended. You must ask yourself the question, have I really been offensive here? But I think, in retrospect, that was the message I took away when I watched the show last night. When I woke up this morning, Mm. particularly thinking that I was going to have a chat with you, Mm. I thought to myself, well, no, he did make a wrong turn. Because drink driving is a serious thing. It ruins lives. And if you're going to joke about it, then you must be very, very aware that there are going to be people who have suffered because of drink driving and your jokes may not be appropriate. Now, you can't audit your entire audience. You know, you don't know who's going to be there and what their experiences have been. But you just need to be aware such that you can make the best call you can make about what language to use, what subjects to talk about and how to address them. I doubt that any subject should be off limits ever, but it's how we approach those subjects that probably is the most important thing. Do you think living in Singapore has in any way contributed to this book? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, there are examples from Singapore without question. For me, as an individual who was brought up somewhere else, it's so powerful to see how different cultures progress and our terms of reference are so different. Um, I mean, here's another thing. You can be in in a business meeting with someone and you can try and perhaps break the ice Mm. by sharing a joke with somebody who might be sitting around the boardroom table who was brought up in the same place that you were. And you might think, well, that's a nice thing. You know, it's a cultural reference, perhaps of a television program, something like that. But if everybody else around that table had never seen that television show because it just wasn't shown, let's say, in Singapore where we are now, then you're immediately excluding everyone else. So those people are thinking, well, those two are having their own private little joke and it's us against them sort of thing. But that's not what we're trying to do when we break the ice. We're trying to calm everybody down, bring everybody together so Mm. that everybody is relaxed, feeling at home and comfortable and included. And this idea of exclusion and inclusion is is an important aspect of the way we speak. How is this book not an argument for self-censorship? I wouldn't say it isn't an argument for self-censorship. That's pretty much what it's all about. As I said, I don't think... Which has negative connotations. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't think that topics should be off the table. We should be able to talk about just about everything, I That's believe. That's an important I'm, point. You know, I don't really mm. believe in censorship per se, mm-hmm. but the way we use our language is key. Yes. You know, we can't just go battling like a bull in a china shop through everything uh, without any care and attention as to who's listening and what they might think about it. We have to speak with thought. And if there's one overall message of the book, it's think carefully, educate yourself about what's appropriate and what's not, and think carefully about how you approach subjects in a given audience. As a communicator, I love this book because (laughs) I think it's all about language and intention before speech, which is so important. People sign up for presentation classes and they think it's about posturing and where you stand and how you look, but it's about what you bring and what you say. So true. So true. I think this is a great book. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Locker Room Talk is by Steve Dawson. It's a guide to political correctness in the public domain. I'm Michelle Martin. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.
or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.